This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. I'm Abigail Ward. And this week we watched Cell. When a mysterious cell phone signal causes apocalyptic chaos, an artist is determined to reunite with his young son in New England. Let's watch. Michelle, it's 35 degrees in Melbourne. It is. We're sitting in, in your front room, mm-hmm. in, in your in your Northcote house. Well, now with a desk, it is now our little studio. Oh, and by anything. the way, hi, face to hi. Hey, it's been a while. I can see. Hello. Hey, we're at the same table. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's been a hot minute because yeah. last time I saw you, there weren't thousands and thousands of cases by the day. In yeah. COVID erupted in Australia. Mm-hmm. We've been responsible and recording from our own houses. But here I am at your table, wet fucking pants. <laughs> <laughs> I came over to Michelle's house really hot from my walk and I was like I just put my legs in the shower to wet them yeah. and it's it's saved my life. One of the first things you literally said was can I get in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> Like, not to make yourself wet, but just to make your pants wet. Brooke's so smart, though, because I went into your That's backyard true. trying to find a hose, and Brooke was like, why don't you just get in the shower? And I was like, right. <laughs> she's, she's a smart woman. She has herself together. And she is. She's wearing a, a swimming costume on a hot day without a pool, but that's just smart. That's Australian culture. That is. You know? It'd be on Australian not to wear a swimming costume. It's how we know uh, who we are as a nation. <laughs> Given, given that it is Invasion Day today, oh, is who yeah. we know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are at work because fuck that. It really flew over my head. I got boosted today, so I've got a lot of other shit on my mind. Yeah, well, you know. Wet pants. We don't want to celebrate, backed. so we're just treating it like any other day. Yeah. So we're just at work and doing errands and stuff. I feel like it's like I don't even want to ask people what they're doing for this day because I don't want them to think that it has any value to me. Just go for a walk. Go for a walk. Stay in. We've still got a fucking pandemic rampant, so. Yeah. Maybe don't go to crowded places. Don't go, wow, what a cool rad day, because it isn't. No. Not super cool. No. How do you feel about my wet pants? I love your wet pants. Do you love them? I think think it's a smart, innovative idea. I think more pants should come (laughs) (laughs) pre-wet. I'm wearing these, like, green pants, and the bottom of them are just a deeper green, and I'm so soothed and Mm. so cool. Mm. I was saying to Brooke, a teacher that I had of mine at film school gave me this amazing tip where to fall asleep on a hot day, you should, like, soak your shirt in water and wear it and it's like Mm. a fucking ice pack wrapped around you it's great you put a fan on you fall asleep every time these are abigail's summertime tips i take that a step further and i freeze my shirt completely and wear it literally as an ice block because then both not only am i colder and getting a little bit of freezer burn yeah but also i'm armored yeah so if you come at me if i try and knife you in your sleep yeah if you wake up to some intruder trying to shank you and they, the, the blade of the knife just snaps against <laughs> your fucking solid <laughs> yeah. frozen shirt and you're like, nice try. I'm already awake. <laughs> I'm covered in ice. <laughs> this is you raising out of your bed in your little arm. I've attached ice. them mechanically to each other. And then my girlfriend and you like attach to me as other ice pieces as I like become an ice Voltron. You froze us as well? <laughs> you're part of this. Okay. But you know? did you freeze us? But, but uh, no, no, you're also in frozen gear. Oh, I thought you meant like we were appendages no, to your ice no, 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 armor, no. hence we are frozen. And uh, I'm like, even, I'm a do you even get being. Voltron? I don't. Oh my <laughs> God. All. You're in your own craft and our crafts are coming together as one unit. I still don't get it. Ice woman? Each of us individually have our own like mechanical 
structures uh-huh. and and can do things. Uh-huh. However, when it really needs to be all done, we can attach our structures together oh, to create I have a an more idea. superstructure. What if it's yeah. like you have this like frozen shirt? That okay. is your armor. Mine is like frozen pants. And oh. like and Brooke has all these frozen now, accessories, now, like hats and gloves and, and now, boots. Hang on, and then hang when on. we all form together, we're one complete ice being. Yeah. Okay, so mine is we're inside of a larger ice thing and then they attach together, right? Oh. If I'm wearing a frozen shirt and you're wearing <laughs> frozen naked. pants, what Completely. happens to my bottom half and your top half to make them attach to each so other? So when we all form, <laughs> there's, there's one a lot of perfect, flesh body. Yeah, there's there's one perfect like ice covered form and then the rest of our body parts are just lying in a heap next to us oh my god yeah it's really gory so it's, so it's, it's really it's not actually ice voltron it's flesh voltron yeah where we're actually piecing together our yes. bodies yes that's terrifying yeah that's honestly pretty cool upsetting i don't like it pretty cool it is pretty cool yeah i do want to make it it's yeah. a movie but i don't want it to happen if you want it to happen, you have to tell me now, and I'm just going to have to make a few quick emergency calls <laughs> <laughs> just for my Why safety. Why is your finger poised over the zero button on your phone? I've already got two zeros dialed in. Oh, my God. Don't you just make a freaking move. <laughs> <laughs> These are our summertime tips, guys. <laughs> just become a Voltron. Vol- Vol- Voltron. Voltron. Don't know. I'm not a nerd. Like a Volt. Oh While you're God. busy loving the Voltron, I'm getting laid. All right, and put it in my shirt and some water. Oh yeah, and having so, a little nap. So I'm bed. out there being a nerd, watching cool cartoons with my girlfriend, and you're cool because you're having sex with your fiance. Yeah, in wet clothes. In wet clothes. <laughs> Always wet. Hey yo. Never the bride. Actually, no, I am the bride. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that anymore. Our wedding got postponed. I didn't even yeah. tell you that. I forgot to mention. We're like postponing meeting... the wedding thanks to COVID because it's useless trying to plan something amidst thousands of cases when... It's not just useless, it's irresponsible. It is irresponsible. <laughs> I want to put some space between us and the insane developments of the last yeah. month. You know who you normally invite to weddings is your family. Yeah. And you know who you don't want to get sick and then maybe die is your family yeah. or yeah. strangers even you know yeah and they're immunocompromised now we're looking at a wedding in september or october which hey gives me so much more time to oh, figure spring out spring wedding yeah wow. spring wedding uh-huh. <laughs> and so i have more time to work on my speech uh, it's gonna be like 40 minutes uh-huh. if that's cool i can yeah. maybe pare it down to 38 yeah okay if that's cool i'm just so excited to be your maid of honor oh michelle. now that we're recording oh michelle you know live <laughs> This is being streamed straight to <laughs> podcast. I really just can't. Seem, I'm so yeah. excited to be your maid of honor me, and give a big speech. Too man. But we I can can't still think talk of about something that would devastate me more than not getting the opportunity. I mean, we we might not even get married, so you know. I we, think it's it's nothing's a certain. If you don't get married, I'll still read you out the speech. I'll be like maid of honor of your breakup party. <laughs> It'll be so good. <laughs> I think people should have a breakup party. I think they should. I yeah, think that's a good thing to. Fun. I think that does. Um, it also sounds like a good way to like move on. Like, what if you've had a really shitty relationship and you're like, I'm excited to be single. Fuck but it, yeah. but it can also be like a commiserate. You know, like party doesn't necessarily mean like go out and do like you can have like a breakup board game night. Mm, this and is you're true. like, man, I'm devastated. And then your friend B- B- BJ is <laughs> your friend BJ. Me is and BJ like, go, you know, BJ's the maid of honor, right? What? I've been trying to tell you. Barracus Jones is. <laughs> Is the fucking maid of honor? Barack is Jessica Jones. He's not even a maid. (laughs) (laughs) 
God damn it! Darkest jokes. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. Um, speaking of though of immense disappointments that I won't get over, this week we watched Cell. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> How many Stephen King adaptations have you seen? Because there's more, and like I feel like Stephen King writes the specific kind of book that we all think we know, and then you're like, wait, that's a Stephen King adaptation. My problem is that, yeah, that's the thing. My problem is that I feel like I've probably seen films that I don't even realize are Stephen King ad- adaptations. I've seen. The things that first come to mind are things like Misery. Mm-hmm. Um, did he Great write movie. The Shining? Yeah, he yeah. wrote The Shining. Obviously The Shining. So Misery, The Shining, um, Pet Cemetery. I haven't seen any of the movies of it or read the book. Oh, Carrie. Carrie. Carrie's a great one. Shawshank. Shawshank. No way. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, obviously Stand By Me. Oh, I know that Shawshank Stand By is, Me. Shawshank is on theme because it's the number one on IMDb, and this is a very IMDb-focused yeah, podcast. Yeah. But Stand By Me is the I best one. I love Stand one. By Me. Stand it's By like, Me is a great It's still movie. like Stand By Me is the reason I wanted to be a writer. I really romanticized Richard Dreyfuss playing yeah. older Gordo, sitting yeah. in the car looking out of his window and like having that beautiful study that he's like typing on his fucking 80s computer green font i remember watching that as a kid and i was like oh i want to be him like that's the life that i want i want to be brooding in a beautiful field in an old car Mm. with a son that i'm not paying enough attention to whereas i saw Corey feldman's character and i was like i'm gonna fuck up my ear (laughs) 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 i'm nuts (laughs) whereas i saw that dog and i was like yeah i'm gonna fucking sick balls oh i didn't know children of the corn was a stephen king me neither i children of the corn scared me so much i remember someone saw a photo of me as a child and they were like you look like one of the children of the corn it's because i'm just so blonde Yeah, you're Don't also laugh blonde. At me. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm looking this now. This is why you're not the maid list. of honor, Michelle. Oh, one of my favorite. Oh. Bj wouldn't laugh at me. One of my favorite things that is technically an adaptation of a Stephen King novel is The Lawnmower Man. If Lawnmower, I don't think Lawnmower Man is on this list. We should do it as a bonus episode because it is one of the wildest movies. It has one of my favorite movie quotes in history, which is Pierce Brosnan describing the character who was like an awful Rain Man esque depiction of uh, someone with mental disabilities. Uh, going, his mind is like a hungry sponge. <laughs> so good. It's about how VR makes people into superhuman gods. <laughs> that sounds very akin to Cell. Oh, Green Mile? Did we say Green Mile? Oh, my God, he's done so much. Yeah, he's done tons. Um, I never what, knew what, about... What else is there? What, how many oh more? God. Like, I've said like 10 or something, and I'm not even like a quarter of the way through this list. Fuck, it, dude. I, I just, but I can't just list this. This is nuts. <laughs> There's got to be more than this. We'll go through it after. And one of the main ones we're missing is It. Oh, of course. Yeah. I've never seen It, though. I haven't seen the new movies, but I saw the miniseries with Tim Curry. It's great. It's a miniseries. I thought it was just a film. It's You know that thing before streaming where they would like, it's called a miniseries, but it's like two two-hour episodes. Oh. So it's a four-hour movie. Right. You know? It's like how the Battlestar Galactica miniseries it starts with is like two 90 minute episodes yeah got like, you. you made a three-hour pilot that's fine just say so that weird. don't call it a miniseries yeah You're i've never really put in the mini in miniseries the clowns just don't make me very scared i've never been very interested in it because pennywise he's, he's more than me. just a clown his whole thing is that he can become whatever frightens you most oh so he, he's only a clown sometimes he's like a dementor sort of jk rowling did it first <laughs> she didn't <laughs> she did it first we don't say that name on this podcast <laughs> don't summon her <laughs> I'm not fucking around. I had never heard of Cell, both either as a book or as a movie. Yeah. And then when I read the premise when trying to find it for us, I was like, this is some mad boomer energy. It being like cell phones make you zombie. That's stupid. Wait, why did you bring up Stephen King? Because this is a Stephen King adaptation. Ah! 
Oh, I'm I, sorry. I didn't really say that out loud. This you is a Stephen King adaptation. You just asked me how many I've seen. This is an adaptation of a what? Stephen King book called Cell. What? Yeah. Look, there's every likelihood that you could have said it and it flew over my head. But what? That's insane. People kind of put this in contrast to The Stand as like, because that one's about like a virus, a post-apocalyptic, but like hopeful. And this is very cynical and when, dark. When did he write stuff. it? Yeah, it doesn't seem oh. like, I feel like Stephen King's better than this. Like Stephen King is better than writing a shitty film about phones I, I taking over the world. I don't think he is. The The secret of Stephen King is that he writes like a thousand books. Yeah, that's true. It's very varied. Cell came out in 2006. So oh, it's one wow. Of his later it's work. a recent one. You know, 2006 means it was early in the cell phones are bad for you. Like, you guys heard us in the opening. It literally is just a cell phone signal turns people into zombies. It is sort of like a zombie movie in all but name. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah, for sure. It is. It's. I was watching it feeling like it has some good stars in it. It's got fucking John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. which is amazing. But there's this shots of them like walking through the wilderness of like, it looks to be just like mid-America or like the deep south. I can't tell. They're going to California, right? No. Where are they going? They start in Boston and they go to further north Massachusetts. <laughs> Never mind. It's a, you it's are rural correct, America. Though, some of the trivia that I didn't include uh, point out that many of the, the trees we see means that it's very obviously not even within a thousand miles of Boston. It doesn't look North American. It doesn't look not. North North American. It looks like the Deep South to me. Yeah. Anyway, I was watching it being like, all of these shots are pretty, but everything they're doing in The Walking Dead. Device. Yeah, this really does the the zombie di- the zombie genre dirty. I was obsessed with zombie movies when I was a teenager. Were you? Night of the Living Dead is such a landmark film for me, as well as Dawn of the Dead. I loved Night of the Living Dead. I loved Dawn of the Dead. I loved Day of the Dead even. I But I'm not a huge zombie movie person. Like, mm. I feel like, but I guess because they're such an overdone genre at this point, when I hear about a new one, I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch that. But like, I, I do agree. I like the classics. I like the ones that started yeah. it. A lot of a lot of those classics like really hold up. There was also like a period of time. I feel like when I was a little kid, there was a whole like, you know how there's memes that aren't like, oh, this is one image, but memes of like cultural concepts. I feel like there was a thing in games for a while of like ninjas versus pirates. And then there was a thing in like games for a while of zombies. Zombies are the thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And now it's Vikings. Vikings are what pop culture has been about for a while. Well, there was the show. There was all the like Assassin's Creed uh, did Valhalla. Like Viking Norse mythology has been like the cultural moment for a while since Game of Thrones ended. No way. Yeah. And then it's probably going to move on to something else soon, I reckon. Yeah. I feel like zombies had a moment where everything was zombie and it got a little oversaturated, but there's still like so, so much like great stuff. Mm. They all, I think part of the problem is that they all have to go back to Romero, who was the one who originally went like, yeah, they're the walking dead. However, the real villain is the other people, mm. which is now trite, but it was so good. It was so good. In the original. And like making Dawn of the Dead Dawn about the consumerism. Fucking genius in the 70s. I feel like Last of Us was one of the last things that really like felt innovative in the zombie genre to be like, for one thing, it is like a a, mush- a fungal-based infection rather than just a spiritual or necrotic thing is like a good move. And because the theme and emotion of it is so good, so it never really becomes stereotypical, but even if it did, you can forgive it because it's just mm. so immersive. I remember my one of the mentors that I had at uni, um, Luke. Um, shout out to Luke if you're still listening. He 
basically said that he described the last of us really well he said that the last of us one was exploring how far you would go for love yeah and the last of us two was exploring how far you would go for hate yes and i was like that's exactly what it is yes and that's exactly why it's such a strong franchise is that they perfectly bounce off each other as well yeah oh. let me do the overview okay. and then so that we can launch into talking about actual cell what i was really just just before we do sure something that i love as i get older is being less and less online it's so good for the soul. Mm. It's so good for you to just fucking remove yourself from these toxic fucking platforms where people that you would never really encounter in your day-to-day life because your your politics are so far removed from one another's where you have to be exposed to their own shitty line of thinking. Like the day that I fucking quit Facebook, the day that I just stopped automatically like clicking into Instagram as often as I did, my mental health, my mood just fucking skyrocketed. The only place Tap online out. that I think you should really go to is your favorite podcast app to just <laughs> drop us a review. <laughs> just drop us a review. And your email listen. provider. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get into the overview. So some of the key details. This came out in 2016. That fucks me up. I know. I thought it was like 2009 for sure. 2010. Despite the phones, I was like, this is surely 2010. I, w- I will say... I'll get into more of it much later, but it was technically filmed in 2014. What? Or finished in 2014. Always a red flag. Yeah. Uh, the director was Todd Williams, who mostly very short filmography that ends with Cell, uh, but he's done <laughs> Paranormal Activity 2 and something called The Adventures of Sebastian Cole. He's I don't know already... how I feel about titles that have a full name in it, to be honest. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It takes a lot for a movie title to be just called something, like someone's name, because I'm like, who yeah. is that? Even that movie Michael Clayton, which I think is a modern oh. classic. Oh, my God. That's so weird that you brought that up. I watched it for the first time three days ago. Oh, that movie's fucking great. Oh, my God. It's so good. But and also, you know why I watched it? Yeah. It's Karen Kilgara's favorite film. Oh, wow. And me and Claude were like, oh, we should watch that. And then the other night we were like, what should we watch? And we saw it on stand. And we're like, let's watch that. It was so good. It's a great movie. So tight and so under. Like, no one talks about it. No. I feel like it's a sleeper hit. Like, it's forgotten. But, but it was also, so good. Michael Clayton is a bad title for it. It's so. Because that's who what is we that? could say. Oh who my is God. That? Oh my God. Terrible. You know what is a good name, though? On the flip side, as a film, Benjamin Button. And it's just because well, it's most, a great name. No, I think it's mostly because it's more about his curious case. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That's it, it sounds quirky. It sets up the tone for me. I get it. As we said, this is also starring John Cusack and Sam Jackson, two people I'm very surprised aren't, haven't been on this list yet. Yeah. It's also got Isabel Furman, who is mostly the girl from Orphan. And basically no one else is notable except for Stacey Keach was the, uh, like the, the teacher. The he, yeah, that guy school. was really familiar. He had a great voice. The budget, I could not find anywhere <laughs> for the life of me. I did more research than I've ever done on finding the budget, and I couldn't find it. All I could Why? find is uh, different looks at the box office. What do you think the box office is? Oh, See, the thing is, it's got Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, so yeah. you'd think that would be a draw, but I've never heard of this film. I think $10 million. Most reports I found, and I found a lot of conflicting things that were similar, though, about 1.1 million. Oh. Yeah. So I don't even know what the budget is. Fuck, man. Also, this is, I think, one of the first movies in a while that there's no returning actors at all. Oh, wow. Which surprised me. Sam Jackson was in, like, 110 movies or something. Like, that surprised me. I was certain while watching it that this was the second time John Cusack had appeared. And it's simply because... When I was in Sydney and staying with Lauren, Lauren showed me Con Air for the first time. Oh, Con Air is so fucking Con good. Con Air is so good and so bad, but so good. Like, it's it's bad 
in all the good ways. Okay, John, it's so John, camp. It's so it's, tropey. It's funny that you say that because literally in one of my notes, one of my things about John Cusack is. I love him in being John Malkovich and I love him in Better Off Dead. Like he's good at playing the loser and the cool guy. And one of the things I hate watching him as is the action hero. Yeah. And he's like this really fucking smug detective in Con Air where there's this bit where he's like, what would you call him? Loquacious, vivacious, uh... Um, is his vernacular wide? Hey, let's just call him chatty. I was like, I want to hit this man in the jaw. Like, he's so <laughs> smug. He's a well-actually guy. Yeah, he is. He's so irritating. But Conair, I want to watch that film every day until the day I die. It's everything that I want in a film and more. All right, here's the proper overview. Clay Riddle, a graphic novelist trying to reconnect with his estranged family, is at Boston Airport when a signal known as the Pulse turns everyone currently using their phone into zombie-like killers called phoners. <laughs> He escapes the airport and makes it back to his apartment with the help of a train conductor named Tom McCourt. That's Sam Jackson. Mm. There they meet a young girl, Alice, and the three of them decide to head north to find Clay's family. They come across a boy's private school where two survivors show them a large group of phoners sleeping in a field and acting as a hive mind. They burn the field of phoners and move on. On their way north, they then hear of a radio-free zone called Cashwack and start experiencing shared dreams of a man in a hoodie who Clay has already drawn in his graphic novels. That's where I started losing touch with the plot. Oh, for me it was much earlier, but we'll get... <laughs> As they get close, they learn that Cashwack is a trap, but Clay heads off on his own, sure that his son is there. Wait, what's Cashwack, sorry? Cashwack is the Radio Free Zone okay. thing. That's like the, where they were going because they were like, all the survivors are going there, but then they learn that that's a trap. The right. phoners are drawing them there. When he arrives, he finds an enormous group of phoners walking in a giant circle around a radio tower with the hoodie man in the middle. Clay kills him and finds Johnny infected, then setting off a giant explosive to take out the tower and the phoners. However, it is then revealed that this didn't happen and Clay is infected in the circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that ending was insane. I had to watch it twice because I was like, surely I've missed something. Surely they wouldn't just show you something that's a lie. And then they go back fully, and instantly. They fully just do it. It's so confusing. Okay, we'll get back to the ending. Yeah, I wanna, that I ending get is to that insane. So one of the things I will say, I appreciate at the beginning, he's at the airport. The credit intro thing is really quite odd. But then they kind of get right into it. They do. And I really liked that. I, me too. I was excited because I was sure it was going to be some bullshit set up for like 20 minutes before something kicks off. But he's at the airport for like five minutes and then all of a sudden everyone just starts spasming. But it really is like so like random, unexplored and one of the most unintentionally funny scenes I've ever seen. And I have to say John Cusack <laughs> gives nothing where he's he just watching nothing. it being like, what's going on? I don't get it. Like people are bashing their brains out against walls and killing each other with knives and he's just like, what? You can see him decide to act before giving any line. And it literally is just a montage of like him looking around and then people holding a phone up and going, <laughs> Michelle just shook her headphones entirely off of her head. That's method yeah uh, i'm i'm acting more than you're giving 110 percent more than john cusack ever gave it's a low bar for me to cross you're right he's good at playing losers because as a hero he is just so subpar he is so 
he he gives nothing and he's he's not I don't find him likable. It's funny that we mentioned Stand By Me though, because yeah. he did play Gordo's older brother in a flashback in Stand That's right, By he Me. Did. And it's the only thing I've ever really enjoyed him in. I really liked him in Better Off Dead and, and being I've John never Malkovich. seen Better Off Dead. I Better did like great. him in being John Malkovich. But, but I guess I haven't watched that as much as I've watched Stand it's, By it's Me. It's because it's not challenging, right? Like I feel like when he's that when you're that level of acting, two things happen. One is you know you've reached a peak and that's emotionally hard to get over. Mm. So he clearly doesn't kind of care about doing a movie like this. Yeah. Because he's like, I remember when in the 80s when I was the, the fucking A-lister. The other thing is that, like, there is no challenge in it. So there's no motivation to try at all. Mm. And so he doesn't. Yeah. And I feel like you see that a lot where it's like a movie like this. We've seen that a lot on this list where it's a movie like this, a lower tier action-y thing starring someone who was more famous 10 to 15 years earlier. Yeah, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson as his companion throughout the film. Like, what blew my mind is at the end when Samuel L. Jackson's like, you can't do it. Like, you're going to commit, it's a suicide mission. Like, don't go. And he's like, I got it. My son's there. And then I think John Cusack says to him, like, I couldn't think of like a better best friend. And I was like, they're best friends now. <laughs> They've known each other for like two days <laughs> in very stressful circumstances. His characters. I wouldn't feel comfortable. His character's also strange. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't, I also wouldn't be like, you're my best friend. Wait, he like, doesn't have any other friends now. Yeah, but I feel like bonding through this traumatic situation, I feel like you could be like, you know, like there's so much more you can say by not saying something. Say, say a companion at least. You can even just look at each other and the audience knows, yeah. oh, you guys have a bond and now. And then they do the predator handshake, you know, <laughs> hand to elbow. <laughs> there's literally this bit. Fury Road is so good. Yeah. There's this bit at the end after like Furiosa, Charlize Theron's character, and Max, Tom Hardy. At the end of the film, spoiler, they both make it out alive. They've helped each other and have this unspoken bond that they've now created. But instead of talking about it, there's just a bit where they see each other through a crowd of people and they just kind of give each other a nod. And mm. that's all you need. You're touched by it. You're like, oh, that's it's all like, I needed. It's like that uh, e- equally, equally good bit in It's Always Sunny where they're <laughs> on rival dinner tables and then they look at each other across Mac the and crowd. Charlie. Yeah, Mac and Charlie. And they just... They stare they just each other wider. That's one of my favorite moments in cinematic history. Oh, it's so good. It's Always Sunny is... It's so but, I, I could rewatch It's Always Sunny forever and ever. Yeah. I would still find it funny. But Sam Jackson in this, like Tom McCourt is a confusing character to me because he's written like he's the most insightful man in every room and everything he says is the most surface level reading of everything. There's a bit, for example, where they've just seen people fully go feral, kill each other, and then they're like sitting in his apartment and he says something almost word for word. If people are going to survive, they need to let go of their pretenses, you know? They, they're going to need to try a little harder. And I'm like, are you fucking ki-? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. We're going to have to try and dig a little deeper than our normal nine-to-five job. <laughs> of course, yeah! There's a bit where they all have their revelation. They're all asleep and they all have the dream of the same guy from... Um, Clay's drawings. In the book, he's called the Raggedy Man. Right. From this point onwards, we will refer to him as such. What was the name of him in this film? He was not given a name oh, in the okay, film. Oh, okay, cool. There's this bit where Clay wakes up and they all realize that they've had his dream about the same guy. Yeah. And then Clay goes, I drew him. Like, he's one of my illustrations. And then I think Sam, like Samuel Jackson's character just goes like, the man on your walls. And I was like, I didn't need that yeah. bit of dialogue. <laughs> like, I don't, that, that was just so unnecessary. There were so many bits of dialogue that like completely there's threw a, me. There's a bit later in the bar where he's talking about the fact that he drew him and stuff. And he's like, huh, there you go, drawing devils. And so I'm like, <laughs> it's like the conversation I remember, like specifically men that I knew at film school having between the ages of 18 and 22, where it's almost like someone 
cosplaying a conversation. Yeah. They like think they're they're going through the motions of having a deep conversation without saying anything. Yeah. That's every character in this in every scene. <laughs> I know that myself as a writer, I struggle with dialogue because sure. a lot of the dialogue that I write is too on the nose and a lot of the time when I read it, I'm like, "Oh, I don't I've already I've shown that and I've said it. Why do I need to say it as well? I'm just going to show it." And yeah. I know that my strengths lie a lot more in action than it does in dialogue. Oh. So my my own trick is to just remove as much dialogue as yeah. you possibly can. It makes for a stronger film. It I just does. I think what you're thinking of is using cinematic language to yeah. convey emotion and thought because it's a fucking movie. Yeah, because look, there's definitely a place for dialogue-heavy films. I like sure. a lot of dialogue-heavy films, but usually the plot has to take a backseat because well, you focus on the dialogue more. Also, I like di- dialogue-heavy films. When I'm watching a dialogue-heavy film, it's not like the dialogue is how I'm knowing what's happening. Yeah, yeah, It's actually 100%. not at all how I know the emotion and story. That's exactly it, because good dialogue is often subtext. It isn't someone saying, I want you to go to that room. It's them thinking, how can I get that person to go to that room without having to ask because I have all of these issues around asking them for things. I will think of an issue that they need to leave the room right now. But if I took that approach, would I ever come up with a line like in this where (laughs) Alice is covered in blood, she's just had to kill her mother, and so John Cusack looks at her and goes, oh, my girlfriend might have some genes. And I have plenty of pajamas. <laughs> and that's sort of the end of that moment. Great guy. <laughs> it's one of the it's so tonally different than everything else. It just stood out to me so much that I wrote it down. You know something I did like about this film? What? There's that young kid that they find at the school with the yeah. old like teacher that pretends to have an English accent. He this kid is a terrible actor and he's not a great character. He's yeah. always just kind of with the group being like, don't do it, don't go, I'm so scared. He has but nothing I, and it shocks nothing. me to no end that he doesn't die, but Alice does. That's Yeah, wild. that's right, because Alice was actually an interesting, kind yeah. of interesting character. She had a good scene with John Cusack right before she died. But that kid often gets really upset and starts crying and he's a teenage boy. And I'm like, well, that's first of all nice. And then what's also nice is that John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson keep consoling him, like keep putting Mm. their arms around him and actually like hugging him and holding him. And I'm like, this is nice. It's nice to watch men hugging a teenage boy while the teenage boy cries. It sounds like a really small thing, but I feel like just watching any man get to break down on camera. Like I was watching this thing the other day with Claude and it was a fully grown man just actually whoa, sobbing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, <laughs> sobbing at a table because he was really upset about something. And I was like, this is taking me aback because I never get to see this. Yeah. Men always process their emotions, at least on film, by getting angry and throwing shit and walking out or brooding. But this guy just burst into tears. And I was like, this is good. Certainly, I don't think the problem with this movie is sexism or toxic masculinity, which is a good thing. It's so refreshing for this list, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. On this list especially, actually, we should praise this way higher. (laughs) This meets the bare minimum of depicting both men and women. Crazy. I, I will say one of my favorite bits on the note of like people kind of playing against type, they're running away from, they've, they've just, there's a, a group of phoners is after them because one of them sees them and then they shoot him and then they're like running away in the woods and they're like, they're right on their tail. They've just found a bunch of guns actually to side note. It's so telling to me that I feel like growing up when I saw post-apocalyptic things or disaster movies, the way characters find guns in American movies is Oh, there's a police station. Oh, there's a weapons cache. Or one of them is just like, I have guns or whatever, right? And in this one, the way they find it is they find a guns rights advocate's house and they're more scared to go in than of the other phoners. That's fucking terrifying. That's that's the world. (laughs) That's America, man. So they're loaded with weaponry and they're running away. And then Sam Jackson literally goes, 
oh, fuck this. And he turns around and they just fully shoot almost all of them. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so you're fine. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. There's that bit at the end where he's confronting the raggedy man and he drives him over, which, yeah. by the way, he drives him over so slowly. <laughs> like the raggedy man is in so front of the car slowly. and he gets in the car and he just drives so slowly, crushes him. So sl- and no, then- no, no. He drives towards him. The raggedy man goes like, uh, and then he like bonks him a little yeah. bit and he flies yeah. back. And then he gets out of his car and he just walks so the raggedy man just shoots the shit out of him like again and again and i was like there's no watching a man shoot another character there's no conflict there's no suspense he didn't have to try very hard so silly the way he got through the phoners was to drive slowly (laughs) and then he drove ever so slightly faster to hit him (laughs) let's talk about that whole end sequence okay yeah let's skip ahead to that and then i want to go back to at least one other thing i just gotta get i don't want us to somehow forget this end sequence because it's so insane i forgot he does have a name in the film i wrote it down it's the president of the internet Remember, there's that guy they meet from from uh, like Groveland, Mass. He's the only guy who talks like he's from Massachusetts. He's he's wicked smart. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. He's the president of the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? Oh my fuck? god. What the f- president of the internet? <laughs> but yeah, so this whole end sequence. There's a couple of things like I want to talk about the uh, school scene, but we can go to it after if you want and do the end scene now. You talk about the school scene. Then okay. We'll do the end scene. Because the school scene was so wild so like they're they're on the journey it's at this point you kind of realize that like yeah this is an adaptation from a book because it's like kind of an episodic road movie which is not how it's set up at the beginning they're just ambling around around post-disaster also i will say this is one of the worst cut movies i've seen there's so many little bits i'm like that went nowhere just fucking throw it out throw it out in the edit what are you doing it's so bland i mean the example of him bonking him with the car is a good example of like this this entire film which is like any potential they could have to, like make things exciting and like um engaging they're like nah it's direct it's also mixed badly it's so impossible to hear the dialogue i downloaded subtitles for it because yeah. i was like i can't hear anything that's going on <laughs> but there's like a, to, to prove the editing and direction doesn't make sense there's a scene where they're like hiding behind a trolley and they see that there's a group of the phoners and they're like okay how are we gonna get past and then this woman and someone else on a motorbike like drive fully towards them your first thought as an audience is what are they doing Mm. do they have a plan and then they get close to them and start driving back and then another group of phoners was just behind a van that's that's in the shot that they've driven past and just like jumps on them and gets them and then they're like ah and then they just like walk away because they're like i guess that's a distraction that we can go and you're like wait so were they doing anything were they just not doing anything and then at the end of it it's just like a montage of wide shots i'm like why include the scene at all yeah get it out of your fucking movie yeah cut straight to them on the road yeah this is nothing that's ridiculous it's just confusing you didn't think about anything of how this is communicated to the audience deus ex machina as well it's a real thing and it's a real problem so they get to the private school which is very strange um there's just a a little boy and his much older male companion (laughs) this is a strange dynamic oh but they were friends right (laughs) oh historians said they they were friends (laughs) (laughs) um it, it it night falls and they're like oh we know what's happening with the phoners and they show them on the football field all of them are there just in a big like mound intertwined with like their eyes glowing or something or they had phones or something the wildest thing to me is that there's like this ambient music playing and no one is addressing that the music that is quietly and hauntingly playing is the I'm like, why is this meme from 2009 
the song in this 2016 movie about phones. That's all I could think of as well. And why is the little boy would know? Yeah, he would know. He played it. <laughs> I remember this meme from when I was seven. It, it just I, I cannot fathom the choice of it being like a meme song a decade out of date like I just wonder if anyone involved so somehow just didn't know it was a meme no they had to know so I think someone knew and their boss didn't know right <laughs> I think Todd Williams and the editor are both like 60 and didn't know and the yeah. assistant editor was tasked with finding a song and they were like this one and they were like okay cool that's great, that's great. and, and all the like, younger people like <laughs> and meanwhile their friends were like Dude, it's been years. That's not funny. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> what happens to these memes that are just out of date? Uh, I think I think they. Well, I mean, theoretically, they just continue to the ex- to exist on the internet until someone yeah. stops paying the hosting fees. I have a theory that, like fashion, trends come in cycles. Someday soon, the Borat "My Wife" joke is going to be so fucking oh, funny God. again. <laughs> not. It's funny. Oh my God. Trollololol. When I think about it, it's pretty funny. Oh my God. Twenty-year cycles, babies. Those babies. Those memes are coming back. The baby fist bumping meme. It's on its way back in. You better get fucking ready. <sighs> I, I I I do miss an era where memes were just a cutout of something onto an alternate colored triangle background thing, and yeah. then it would just be a word in impact font. Yeah. Success. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> the Velociraptor guy's thinking oh, about Velociraptor something. Velociraptor guy. Yeah. Wow. So easy to make a meme. You would just put impact font on something. There's going to be a date. Like I reckon now it has to have in, eight layers of irony in exactly like. 10 years vines will also come back into fashion we'll do six second videos all over again i think i'm already seeing people on tiktok doing very short videos but what what the 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 second half of it is like then they have a conversation where the 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 old guy theorizes about the nature of these things he's wrong at every oh yeah this is this is old guy tiktok it's great Um, i am on old guy tiktok (laughs) that's where i am um He's like, he's wrong on everything. For one thing, he's like, oh yeah, it's the next stage of human evolution, which I think is wild. For one thing, the movie implies repeatedly that the Raggedy Man is the one behind it, whilst never explaining that at all. What? Yeah, what's with the Raggedy Man in general? It's I don't, never explained, I don't it. and the summaries of the book I could find didn't explain why it Why does either. he come out of this guy's drawings, and why is Clay the, the hero, and I, why does Clay not question it more? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't even explain like what the pulse is or where it comes from. I don't from. even know where to the start with The closest it comes is just him arbitrarily saying, oh, yeah, this is the next stage of human evolution and they're going to war against us, which is crazy to me because evolution repeatedly is really good at survival. And it's insane to me that this hive mind doesn't have a keeping watch system because they at nighttime sit in a big open field unhidden and are unable to move. So they get trodden on and set aflame and they don't do anything. But they're literally meant to be more evolved. Fucking, like, little tiny animals have evolved a system to look out for predators at nighttime. It's nothing. It's the most idiotic surface level comprehension of how to make a fucking point about phones. I hate it. It's stupid. It's someone dunking on society as written by someone who doesn't know anything. I'm sensing you're upset. I just thought it was dumb. <laughs> let's talk about it. No, let's talk about the end scene. <laughs> yeah, because that end scene is wild. He literally, he drives up. It's so dark. You know, people who criticize the Battle of Winterfell Game of Thrones episode for being too dark? This was darker. Oh, wow. This was more dark. I thought that the concept of all of the phoners moving around a circle around this tower was kind of creepy. Like, I, I get it because, like, in, in, in the way that a lot of, like, mass zombies moving in, yeah. in, in circles is quite creepy. Like, I think it's not an original premise, but it on screen, I was like, 
that's kind of that's kind of scary. I, I get think it. It would have been creepier if they did the classic zombie like shamble, like you know, like stepping. Yeah. Uh, you know, instead, what they do is very tightly pack and totter. Yeah. So they kind of look like they're a little <laughs> off balance, and yeah. they're just like jiggling while moving forward. Very little. It's like just like five centimeter steps at a time while they like jiggle about. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really funny. But it's just he gets that. He, as we said, bonks the raggedy man and shoots him repeatedly. <laughs> and you're, you as a viewer are like, okay, well, that's done. Then he <laughs> yeah. finds his D- son. Does he win? Then he finds his son, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny and hugs him, detonating. He like, crawls through all the phoners who for no reason in, 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 no reason at all, are just like not reacting to him. He, he, he sees that Johnny is infected though is key and then he hugs him and then makes a call to detonate the but before that we hear them start screaming and then it like the raggedy man is now standing up and it does this like big crash zoom on him and it's the funniest shot in anything i've ever seen i'm gonna make hey listeners i'm gonna make it a gif and i'm going to attach it to the twitter post of this because it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen it's a great (laughs) reaction post because it's just crash zoom him him open mouth ah (laughs) (laughs) But then it cuts after the explosion, it cuts to him and Johnny walking down some train tracks yeah. together, holding hands and chatting. And they see on the tree some initials. What were the initials meant to denote? Uh, he he asked the boy to put the initials of the three of them, the boy, the, the on woman. The, they the find, way that they go. Yeah. So they can find their way exactly. back. But then it's revealed that he's actually a phoner in the circle and he didn't actually save Johnny in the first place. But it's almost like they're like, my question was, when they went to the train tracks, I was like, did they not just die in that explosion? And then it's revealed that that's also a lie and that he didn't even save Johnny in the first place. Yeah, and I was like, I just got lied to twice in a row. Because we see this big shot of it coming in. The van is still there. So the explosion didn't happen. Yeah. And then so it, the and it comes down a into The train him. tracks were he's, a lie. He's also way too low in the frame. <laughs> so it's, and again... Because he's tottering, it's just the guy that we've seen, like, looking a little worse, going, I mean, I can't do a visual gag on a podcast, but he really is just jiggling. How do we get down this track? And when are we getting to trivia? Let's do trivia now. IMDb trivia! Like many of the movies of this type, it was harder to find, like, certain kinds of trivia. I do have some, some longer ones. And I thought this was very interesting because of some of the things we've done recently. So as I said, it was based on the 2006 novel of the same name by Stephen King. Dimension Films announced in March 2006. So March in 2006. That Eli Roth would direct the project after finishing Hostel Part 2. No! He exited the project saying there was just... Oh, I I didn't write it down, by the way, but I read his a a different quote of his about his pitch, which was basically to, like, expand the scope of it and make it ultra-violent, like a Roland Emmerich event movie, but as a zombie thing. He said it was a really cool take on the zombie idea. Whatever. So Roth exited the project in 2009 saying there was just sort of a difference in opinion on how to make the film and what the story should be. And there's a different direction the studio wants to go with it. It was very friendly. (laughs) This is why I saved this quote. It was very friendly because it's the Weinsteins. They made Inglorious Bastards and we're all friends. Oh, of course. Eli Roth is a creep. Eli Roth is a fucking creep. You can't tell me otherwise. Here is another uh, piece of trivia. Mm -hmm. Among the... (laughs) This is wild. Among many differences from the source material, in the book, the zombie-like infected continue to have their brains rewritten every night and evolve further psychic abilities, including telekinesis, which allows them to fly. (laughs) 
This is explained as the infection having unlocked the human brain's latent supernatural potential, which they do allude to in this when the boy says, if your brain is a hard drive, it would say 2% full, which is idiotic and not how the human brain works, despite pop culture and movies repeatedly stating that. I, I just wish we could have seen them fly. <laughs> I, I really wish we could have seen them fly. If he is driving towards ultra slowly the raggedy man and, <laughs> and then, then he, he starts flying, over, yeah. best movie of best the year. Best fucking movie. Here is one that I might cut out because it makes me so uncomfortable. Okay. When he was cast to play Tom McCourt, Samuel L. Jackson was unaware that his character was gay. During an interview with Playboy years before, Samuel told the magazine that he would never kiss another guy or cross-dress for any role, no matter how large the paycheck, and he stuck to his word by refusing to make out with another man in this film. Oh, my God. This is 2016. Wow. I know it was filmed... It was filmed before gay people could get married in America, but they could by the time this came out. Wow. And then there's Sam Jackson going, I refuse no matter the paycheck. And we know exactly how big Sam Jackson's paychecks are. <laughs> You're telling me for millions of dollars you wouldn't kiss another man? You got to work through He's some weak. shit, man. Yeah. yeah. Coward. Yeah. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> this is something that I thought was funny. Stephen King announced in 2009 that he had written a screenplay for the movie and had created a new ending based on reader complaints about the book's ending, which I thought was funny because we did nothing but roast the ending of this movie. Yeah, the <laughs> ending is terrible. So wait, he didn't, his screenplay wasn't the one that remained in the film, right? His, uh, officially, the one that we watched is written by Stephen King and someone else. Wow, that's disappointing. But it's, the, it's probably the kind of thing where he wrote a screenplay and then like, the actual the other person uh, someone else like rewrote yeah. it but yeah. it's still got 30 percent stephen king's work so right. by w wga rules he has to keep his name on it this is the last piece of trivia and i mostly put it because i love that someone put this in the goofs section the main character the main characters throughout the movie leave their cell phones on but there's very little reason to do so given the plot <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right do you want to hear some reviews i do reviews! all right this has 11 percent on rotten tomatoes and it's, we're still in the 4.3s on IMDb. Jeanette Katsoulis of the New York Times said it was wholly unable to deliver even a smidgen of nuance or depth. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the more brutal critic reviews we've read. Yeah. I have a couple of IMDb reviews. Here's the first one called Coming to a Town Near You by, this is spelled with a K-H, Candy Crush. Nice. Or I guess Candy Crush. Candy Crush. The great Candy Crush. Let me tell you what this movie is about. It's about frequencies. Mixed with juice that stick in everyone's arm, people become antennas and yes, the, when the gov wants its, once its turns up the signals and people will become like this. Just saying, 10 out of 10. I want what she's having. <laughs> Mixed with that juice. That juice, my, yes. I mean, my favorite part of Cell was the juice. I loved the juice. I loved the arm juice. The arm juice was huge for me. <laughs> no one shoots up even once in this movie. <laughs> what film did this person watch? Uh, here's another one called Very Creative. I really enjoyed this movie by Sh Sheila Wells, 825. Sheila, the I is before the L, right? In Sheila, the yeah. name? Yes, it is. Yeah, so then this is not Sheila Wells, it's Shelia Wells. Shelia Wells. Any movie that has two great actors, such as Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, I know it's going to be a great movie to watch. Well done by all the actors. It keep me very entertained. Except for the fact how or who started this evilness. The ending could <laughs> yeah. have been a little better when yeah. there was a happy ending. All that for a son and yet he ended up just like one of them and lost his son. Bummer. 
10 out of 10. <laughs> no, you know what? They That's a good review. <laughs> that's a good review. No, it's not because it ends with 10 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10 is stupid, but everything they said is true. <laughs> everything they said is true. Uh, no, not well done by all the okay, actors. Not, not well done by all the actors. maybe John Cusack and Sam Jackson's worst movies. They just really tapped into our issues with the film. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing Goes Wrong with Stephen King by Balakistan. Enjoyed the story, which it almost reflects the present time. A possible scary fact. 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw this, I'm like, this could really happen. That that was my favorite haiku. My biggest complaint actually on the this could really happen is that a critical part of the plot is that he thinks his son might be alive because they can still text and his son plays games on his phone, which is fine. To me, this implies that Stephen King and uh, everyone else involved in this movie thinks that almost everyone exclusively calls on their phone in 2016 rather than messages. Wait, how does it suggest that? Because they can still text, but, like, everyone gets got, including people on planes. Yeah. Like, planes crash. No one calls anymore. Like, look, I I call a bit more as I get older, but there was definitely a substantial amount of time between the ages of, like, 17 and 23 where all I would do is text. I hated calling people. With that in mind... What's your review? Oh, you're doing the pulse? You're doing the signal that they do? I'm the raggedy man. Sorry, I think you mean the president of the internet? Address him as such. I'm the president of the internet. This film was like, it was it was a good bad film because it was so garbage I really enjoyed watching it. Like it had good actors in it. It had ridiculous action scenes in it. Like if someone was like, oh, have you seen Cell? It's a bad film. We should watch it. I would potentially watch this again because it was so bad mm. in a fun way, mm. at least for me. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> 3.8 out of 10. Okay. 3.8 out I think of 10. That's, I, think I didn't you, find it insufferable. Yeah, I think, I think you've actually nailed it. <laughs> I disagree with your review. I wouldn't rewatch it. I think the key reasons why I wouldn't rewatch it are actually the, the looseness of the edit and the music. Because it means that what, this... you didn't like... <laughs> but it means that this movie, this like post-apocalyptic action thing has the same energy as Siberia. The, <laughs> yeah. Which is one of like the slowest, most boring movies I've ever seen in my life. Siberia the music sucks awful. all of the energy. I know it's trying to be a mood piece, but nothing... It means that like there's like full-on action scenes and I'm like, how is this more boring than anything else it's so uninteresting and that's why i wouldn't rewatch it i do think you could do like a re-edit of it that would be a fun bad rewatch because it is sloppy and there's some wild shit in it let's get toe for grace in man let's get that edit happening <laughs> i'm a fucking professional editor i what? have more editing experience than toe for grace you're lying he did one re-edit you're all right? crazy fuck you what do you do i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna give this 3.7 just to undercut you <laughs> I liked it less. Whoa, that's pretty cool of you. <laughs> that's a power move. So that was Cell. P- join us on social media. You can find join us. us. <laughs> yeah, much like the phone is, we are bla- this is us blasting out the pulse Nia, so that you can join us on social Nia. media. You can find us on Twitter at Rate Descend Pod. You can find us on TikTok at Rating Descending, or you could email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. I love the emails. So true, Michelle. We love the emails. Yeah. We love them so much. Please stop in and, and say hello. Yeah. And tell us your favorite bad movie w- today. Please, I will engage. I will read them out if you so wish. Yeah. If you say please read this out, we'll read it out, baby. Yeah. You'll be famous. But I will give you this voice. I'm a little poopy pub. So it's I'm Brooklyn a- again. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
Uh, you can also find us on our personal accounts. I'm on Instagram under Abigail J. Ward. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at michelle.stclair. And don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify yeah. because it really makes a difference. Or if you guys know somewhere else that you can review, please yeah. do so. I know Even po- leave us Podchaser. a Google review. Yeah, or a know? Google review. Yeah. yeah. Yelp. <laughs> TripAdvisor. I went to Rating Descending. I had a good even. time. Yeah, right, right, we should set up our own IMDb profile so people can review us on IMDb. Oh my god! That's yeah, a, that sounds and like every a review is ten out of 10. <laughs> ten. Ten out of ten. Well, what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching Basic Instinct two. And I'm when so I tell excited. you how shocked I am that Basic Instinct had a sequel. I'm King. With an as underwhelming a name as two? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know what this classic 80s erotic thriller needs? A sequel in the mid-2000s. 90s erotic thriller. Get your fucking head it was 1982. 1992. <gasps> okay, my bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please, no. 1992 was a no. totally different California oh to 1982. I wasn't alive yet. Idiot. I didn't know. I didn't know. Idiot.